0: Hi and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly program about money, finance and investing here on Radio Northern Beaches and broadcast nationally on the community radio network around Australia. I'm your host Ray Treveson from OTG Capital and today we're welcoming to the microphone Stephen Mabb who is the chair of the Australian Shareholders Association. First time to the show, hopefully it won't be the last Stephen, so thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Ray. I really appreciate the invitation and uh, very much looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Well, uh, you're not the first person from the ASA that I've had on the show. Uh, I've had Rachel and recently Fiona Balzo in the policy area. And uh, I guess the more uh, that I, I guess, travel down this journey with the ASA, the more I keep learning about what an incredible organisation you are as a not-for-profit and uh, all these different activities that are going on. I'm personally involved with a discussion group that I'm trying to hopefully get a few more numbers happening, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, as we say, it always takes a a year or two to become an overnight success. So um, (laughs) one of those things, what I wanted to bring you onto the show today, though, uh, to talk about is, uh, again, around advocacy and what the ASA does. But before we do... Given that this is your first time on the show, I'd like, if you could, please give the listeners a bit of an overview in, in your background and how you arrived at the ASA. Yeah, look, very briefly, uh, my, my
1: career, my executive career was in the footwear industry. Um, and along with some other Aussie guys, we created a brand that we took to the US in um, in 2007 and, uh, and built it up into one of the top 20 footwear brands in the US um, by 2018 and then we got a fantastic offer from one of the big publicly listed US footwear groups to um, to buy our brand. So so we sold the brand at that point in time to them, and uh, and I took that opportunity to move back to Australia, had a young family in tow, and uh, and I've been investing full time ever since. So um, so about a year into my kind of active investing journey, I discovered the ASA and. Uh, thought it was a great organisation and something that could really help me with with my investing and managing my finances. Mm -hmm. So I joined as a member um, and over the last few years I've kind of found my way onto the board, uh, and then last year uh, became the, the chair of the board. So, yeah, it's a, it's a volunteer group. We're a not-for-profit. We're always looking for people to to help and to be involved and be part of the community, and, and I've got the time to do that. So um, so really enjoying it. I've learned learned a lot, and, um, you know, anything that I can do today to kind of share what ASA does and, and inform some other folks about what all the wonderful things ASA does, I'd love to help.
0: Stephen, it's always one of those funny things. I've done so much volunteer work over, over my time, and uh, I was uh, p and president at my local public school, primary school, and band committee pe- uh, president uh, at my kids' uh, high school. And we always had a saying, if you want something done, you ask a busy person. And I, I guess you... Uh, 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 you are cut from that same cloth because one would think that uh, and I'm assuming that after your brand was bought, uh, that they made it quite attractive and to use a, an American colloquialism, they greenmailed you out of there. And uh, I guess you're, you're sitting hopefully well and truly well endowed. And so from that perspective. You know, ploughing a lot of time into a not-for-profit is one of those aspects of community service that I keep looking to people and going, that's great. I mean, I do a whole bunch of things. I keep saying to people, give back to your community because it gives so much to us. So I'm really pleased to have you on the show from that perspective. And I guess like anything, you get involved at, at that ground level, then you keep... You know, learning as I'm learning in the ASA now, as as my journey has only just started, uh, there's so much we can contribute. So I'm really pleased to be part. Um, I've just renewed my uh, my membership as well, just so uh, in case anybody's out there chasing (laughs) chasing up. But um, uh, that's that's all handy. So so Stephen, what I wanted to talk about today is really shareholder activism because uh, there are activists and there are activists out there, and I guess given uh, with the advent of Social media, certainly in the last 15, 20 years, there can be a, a lot to discuss when we're talking about squeaky wheels getting the most oil. Yet I still see a quiet diplomacy and I guess turning up, you know, I, I love that Aaron Sorkism. Uh, Sorkinism uh, out of the West Wing. You know, decisions are made by those that turn up. And this is no different, isn't it? I mean, we were talking to Fiona about uh, ensuring your vote counts. And that's what the ASA really does, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's one of one of the unique things that ASA does. I mean, we we educate our members around you know ways to invest and uh, d- different systems. Put a lot of experts and economists and fund managers and all that kind of thing in front of our members through the course of the year. But there's lots of other organisations that you know you can learn about investing from as well. What's different about the ASA is that advocacy work or that um, you know really what we call standing up for for regular shareholders. There's not really anyone else out there we know of. That that's doing that regularly and in the concerted you know, and coordinated way that, that ASA does. So just to strip it back to kind of, I guess, first principles for a second, if you buy shares in a company, um, and this is in Australia particularly, uh, it gives you the right to vote and to have your voice heard if you choose to you know, kind of raise your voice with the companies that you own shares in doesn't necessarily work if you own ETFs or listed investment companies, for example, you can't really vote your shares if you, if you buy an ETF and that's not a reason not to do it just, you know, for clarity. But if you own shares in an individual company, then you can attend the AGM or you can vote online, lots of different ways you can do this and, uh, and at least have your voice heard. And, and ASA tries to help you with that um, by in, in a couple of ways, firstly, you know, sharing with you what we think are the the best practice uh, standards from, from the companies that you're investing in around how they build their remuneration for their management team the the skills that they put together and the the directors that they're um proposing that you can vote for, the way that they raise capital when they come to you and say we're you know we're doing a share purchase plan or whatever it might be. So there's lots of ways that ASA kind of communicates with you um, what's best practice in those areas. and then even more specifically, mm-hmm. we get into individual companies then and monitoring what we could r- roughly the top two hundred. ASX listed companies so there'll be a representative at, of ASA that goes out and uh, and meets with those companies every year prior to their AGM kind of works through what they're proposing to uh, to put to votes for with with their shareholders and we'll put together what we call voting intentions from there the way that we'd recommend you as a small shareholder mm-hmm. vote at that company's AGM so yeah lot, lot 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 in all of that right and I'm happy to dig into any of it uh, in more detail as we go through the conversation
0: Well, the voting intentions was something that, uh, again, having gone to a couple of the discussion groups uh, here locally in Sydney and Keith Reedy's group is is quite well attended. And I I got to hear people talking about voting intentions and monitors. And I think what really took me aback was how seriously listed companies in Australia take a member of the ASA turning up to say, hi, we're here from the ASA. I don't think they're flippant about your presence these days, are they?
1: No, not at all. And I think you kind of touched on it earlier when you said, you know part of the the key here is turning up. ASA turns up at the AGMs and the monitors will turn up and uh, and vote on your behalf if you choose, and vote the proxies as we call them that are allocated to us. but they'll also ask questions. they'll uh, they'll stand up in the meeting and they'll ask the questions that we think regular shareholders would like answered of those boards and CEOs uh, at that you know once a year annual general meeting Um, and basically, you know, as I said, we've got some guidelines on how those voting intentions are supposed to work but it's complicated and and we understand it's not something that every person wants to do, right? Annual reports can be one or two or three hundred pages long sometimes. They're written often in very complex, uh, you know, language and and it's tough for the average person to, you know, spend uh, a lot of time reading through each and every annual report that their companies come out with um so if you 're not doing that or that 's not something that interests you, you can rest assured that the ASA monitor is doing that at least with the top two hundred companies on on the market roughly so they'll they 'll read through the annual report they 'll go and have a meeting with the board normally prior to the AGM And then, you know, based on all of that, they'll put together what they think is the, you know, the best way to vote as a a small or a retail shareholder. Um, So we're, you know, we're, we're really active in that area and the companies... I would say 95-plus percent of those ASX200 companies have a very respectful and cooperative relationship with their ASA monitor and the ASA overall. There's a handful of companies that, uh, (laughs) that don't necessarily believe in best practice governance that may not want to engage with us, but it really is a handful, the vast majority of those companies um definitely want to sit down with us and, and are, are happy to listen. It doesn't mean we always agree on everything. Of course, there's times where we have to agree to disagree on a particular issue in a particular year. Um, but overall, yeah, there is a really good and, and productive relationship there with the majority of those companies, which is which is great.
0: And I guess I'm going to put in a shameless plug. And again, I let my listeners know, you know, this is shameless plug time. But having just renewed my my membership for the ASA, I've got to say it is incredibly good value for money. Uh, when I look at all the different share trading programs, I've dabbled in software over the years. I'm not a great share trader personally. I, I still do a little bit with my own uh, super fund, but I'm not a huge active trader per se. But I know how much there are software packages out there that will trade options and shares and the uh, and like, yet for 150 bucks a year, the kind of valued reporting that I see in, uh, and uh, sometimes I think the ASA needs to maybe promote this a little better on their website, but it's hidden in the bowels of the website, but there's some really good reporting that helps decipher these two 300-page annual reports brought back down to two or three condensed Uh, pages I think of good plain speak I mean there still is some financial market jargon there but I think it still is is able to crystallize and synthesize some thoughts that uh, I think Fiona put it well you know mum and dad investors Um, and and I think from that perspective I'd I'd always plug uh, a membership to the ASA because if you're just starting out or even if you are a seasoned investor some of the resources that are available for not a lot of money, I, I just shrug my shoulders and go, "Wow, that that's good, darn good value, don't you think?"
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, most of the people that I've spoken to, um, you know, when I introduce the ASA and what we do to them and, and their investing, of course, think it's fantastic. So, look, our biggest problem is probably awareness. There's just a lot of people that don't necessarily know about the ASA. Once you do discover it, um, you know, the vast majority of our members renew every year because they do see that value. So I'm, I'm glad that's been your experience as well. And, yeah, there, there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that the monitors put in every year to monitoring those 200 companies and then putting together what they think is the right way to vote if you own shares in that company. It's not something you could do yourself, and it would certainly cost you a lot more than $150 if you had to hire someone to do it all for you.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, it, and is, and it I, is
1: great value.
0: And I think it's worthy to note as well, Stephen, that other than the the paid admin staff, that's uh, sitting at HQ, all of these monitors are volunteers. They're doing this for nothing. And I think that's, right. that's an incredible service that is provided that I think adds a tremendous amount of value. There's nothing in it for them um, other than, I think, I guess self-satisfaction that I guess holding companies to account, I. I that sounds a bit too punitive. It sounds a bit too pugilistic. But I, I'm really trying to, to look at it from... You know, I think value adding. If shareholder meetings, if the AGMs, and if they see a good advocacy advocacy group turning up, I think boards will sharpen their game as well, don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. And obviously, when you get to the really big end of the ASX, if you're talking about you know our big banks or our big miners, there's often a lot of shareholders in those meetings and and lots of questions asked. But once you get below that level, down to you know kind of maybe the the, the ASX 50 to 200, very often the ASA is the only um, group in the room that's asking questions of the board. So if we weren't there, it would be a very easy meeting for that board to have, and um, and they wouldn't get a lot of feedback directly from, from shareholders at <laughs> their meeting or prior to their meeting. I mean, the big proxy advisors obviously meet with them behind closed doors. Um, and they're, they're kind of voting on behalf of your big super funds or your big sovereign wealth funds, for example, but they're not really public, and those questions often don't get asked in public. So that's what ASA does for you that's a little different. We, we get up in public at the AGM and, and ask the questions in a respectful way, um, and from there you can decide as an individual shareholder whether you're happy with the responses or whether you're happy with the position or the direction that the company's Heading. Um, we don't give you investment advice. We don't tell you you should or shouldn't invest in a company. We just try and clarify for you what the company's doing and how that might be affecting, uh, you know, your interests as a retail shareholder. And you can make your decisions from there about whether you think that's a place that you want to continue to invest or not. Um, and I think you know the couple of really key things that that we do well and we've done well for a very long time is looking at the remuneration structure of the company. So how are the managers being incentivized? Is, is their bonus structure aligned with you as a shareholder and their staff, for example? It's very complex. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grey in that. Um, but overall, really what we're trying to do is say, is this a reasonable amount of money that they're being paid and, and what their bonus are incentivized on? Is it is it fair? Is it reasonable? Is it aligned with the other stakeholders? Or is it very self-serving? Um, and then the second thing we do is really dig into the board. Do, does the board and the directors have the right skills, in our opinion, for the company that they're they're leading? Um, are the directors overworked? Because often you'll you'll get cases where there's directors that have possibly got too many jobs. And when you have a, a crisis like we did in in the COVID period, for example can be very difficult to fulfil all your responsibilities if you're sitting on too many boards, for example. So they're the kind of things that we'll dig into and we'll ask questions and then, again, we'll put put voting recommendations to you based on that analysis.
0: Wonderful. Well, look, we're just about uh, time for a break right now. You'll hear on Dollars and Making Sense uh, on Community Radio Network around Australia and Radio Northern Beaches. And we're going to go for a short break and we'll be right back. Music. And thank you for listening to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly radio program about finance, money and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally on the community radio network around Australia. The views, comments and opinions aired during our program should not be construed or viewed as financial advice. Any commentary is general advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether the advice is suitable for you and your personal circumstances. If in doubt, you should contact an authorised, licensed financial planner. We welcome questions and feedback, and you can get in touch with us via our blog, social media channels or email. Please search for Dollars and Making Cents in your favourite podcast platform or check out our blog at otgcapital.com.au forward slash blog. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Trevison. And at the microphone today, we have Stephen Mab from the Australian Shareholders Association. And he's the chairman of the board there. Now, before we went to a break, we were talking about monitoring and advocacy and what the ASA does. Now, during the break, I wanted to quickly pick your brain. Now, do you have a, a war story? Do you have a, a bad and a good example of you know the kind of advocacy that ASA has done when they're turning up to AGMs? I do,
1: yeah. I'm a monitor myself. I'm based up in uh, in Brisbane, so there's a couple of Queensland-based companies that I uh, I started my monitoring journey with, and and there is a good and a bad story there. So maybe if we start with the the tough one, um, there's a company called EML Payments that was in the ASX 200 at the time, and we weren't covering them. Um, so I put my hand up to to dig into them, and the first year that I monitored them um, was actually uh, the the COVID period, and um, they had a uh, incentive plan uh, that basically they didn't hit the numbers for for their for their management team, um, and when we questioned them on that, why they were intending to pay the bonuses out despite not hitting the metrics. They said that uh, you know they were affected by COVID, it wasn't their management's fault and that they thought it was fair to still pay the bonuses out anyway. And they'd also made an acquisition in that period. And the management team had done an incredible job with this acquisition and uh, and they deserved to be paid their full bonuses. Now we voted against the remuneration report that year for that reason, because we don't think you should be using discretion to, to pay bonuses out if you don't hit your numbers. Um, and then subsequently, you know, when it was attending the AGM, we asked that question of the chair, and and his response was pretty telling. He he basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, um, not only did we use discretion to pay out the bonuses this year, but we're in a competitive field for management, and we'll use discretion again in the future if we need to. And basically, Ooh. what he was saying was, our bonus structure isn't really that that set. We'll use discretion as a board whenever we feel free or whenever we feel the need to to pay the bonuses. Um, The CEO also said in his address at the AGM um, that uh, if you're having trouble understanding some of the services or the products that we offer, what I'd say to you is you don't need to understand them. You just need to determine whether you trust management. And if you trust management, you should invest in our company. So there are a couple of yellow flags. We, we wrote up the report that way, the AGM report for, for members and other people to see. And subsequently, over the next couple of years, um, there's been a lot of problems at that company. The acquisition that they made not long after the Irish Central Bank announced an investigation into that company for, for alleged money laundering problems oh, that saw their share wow. price tank. Um, The CEO that was very bold with, you know, trusting management, um, he left uh, quite suddenly. Um, The chair that made those comments, he was voted off the board last year because of shareholder dissatisfaction, I guess, with the performance of the company. So, you know, at the time when we put our report together, the share price was probably pretty close to its all-time high. I think it's fallen 70 or 80% since then. So that's an example where if you had, have, you know, followed that company and read the the ASA reports, it would have at least given you cause for concern and something to to think about. Now, I'm happy to say that's not common. That's not normally what happens with most of the companies we cover. But it is an example where the ASA is dug in and kind of found out something and reported on something that you may not have known without. Uh, reading that uh, that information on the flip side you know another company up here in queensland called jumbo interactive um, they do a platform for for lottery tickets, selling you know the the gold lotto tickets, for example, and they also use that platform for lots of the charity lotteries as well, so the, the deaf foundation, endeavour foundation, that kind of thing. Um, that company's grown really quickly. It was started by a, a local guy in Queensland that ran a news agency and decided there was a better way to do it than having to come to the news agent. So he started up that company, and it's grown really really quickly over over ten years or so. So they entered the ASX 200, I think it was at the time. It might have been the 300 um, in a pretty rapid period of time. And it meant that some of their board composition and their remuneration structure probably wasn't fit for purpose for that level of company. So the first year we covered them, We gave them some suggestions around how they could improve their remuneration, how they could improve the the measurements or the metrics that would be more aligned with their small shareholders and more what, you know, investors of top 200 companies would be looking for. And Mm -hmm. over the next 12 months, that's exactly what they did. They improved their board. They added some new skills to the board. They changed the remuneration structure to be much more aligned with our guidelines the following year. And I'm not going to say it was all us. But that feedback, I think, was very much taken on board by them. And and because they agreed that they were good suggestions, they were happy to implement a lot of that over the course of the next year or two. And that company is doing really well. It continues to go from strength to strength Um over the last few years as a business. So I think you know there's some examples of get, where we get in early and help a company that's growing quickly to improve, but also where we can potentially catch things that you may not be aware of if you weren't really digging into the annual report or attending the AGM, for example.
0: Wonderful. So look, Stephen, one of the things I always like to do on Dollars and Making Sense is to leave people with a takeaway. And I guess given that we've talked about monitoring and we've talked about advocacy today, uh, maybe if you can leave the listeners with something that they could go to the ASA website and go for a bit of a look-see that could be of real good value for them to at least start their journey and get a bit of an idea of what ASA does, but also if they're contemplating uh, share investing or even investing on a broader scale, um, maybe a a, a nice takeaway that they could uh, think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the website's australianshareholders.com.au. There's lots of great free educational info on there. But if you're interested in any of the voting or the advocacy work, you can also access all of that for free on the website. So if you go to the section called Companies We Monitor, you can then put in the name of the company or the the ticket code of the company. And you can actually access those reports, even if you're not a member.
0: So if you're interested in Even if you're not a member.
1: Yeah, we we released um, or opened that up to to all investors last year. It used to be for members only, but we decided that it really was in the interest of all shareholders to make that info available, whether you're a member or not. Now, you can't be involved in the monitoring process or helping us set guidelines or all those kind of things if you're not a, a member, but you can read the reports now. So so if you own some companies and you'd like to see what ASA is doing or recommending around how to vote and how the companies are, are, um, are treating you as a retail shareholder, go to the website and search that the monitor section and the reports. And if, if you're not voting, allocating your proxies to the ASA. So if you're, if you're not someone that goes to a meeting and votes all the time, you can simply write in the Australian Shareholders Association to the proxy form or the online email when you get it prior to an AGM and tr- rest assured that someone from ASA will be going along and voting on your behalf if it's one of those big companies that we
0: cover. Wonderful. So, look, um, I'll leave it to my sound editor. We we lost you just a little bit there, but I'm I'm pretty comfortable that we got uh, the gist of what you were saying. So, go to the website. There's a lot of free content. So, we always love free out in the big wide world of the internet. And I guess if you leave your details, you might get the odd occasional mail from ASA, but you're not going to be spammed or anything like that. So. Uh, I think it's one of those really, really cool things. I always advocate for people to go to Money Smart, for example, uh, the government website, which I think is a tremendously website. good resource for free. Uh, it's a Absolutely. great website. And and so because I run a fund myself, I say to people, look, if you don't, don't, don't believe me, go to an independent player. And I think the ASA, just like the Money Smart website is a really, really good place to go. Stephen, I've really enjoyed my time uh, today. I hope you have too. Look, there are so many other things. Uh, I'd love to pick your brain about your time in America at another uh, juncture and, and how you operated in that that wonderful market. I worked over there myself for, for many years in the software industry and really enjoyed it. They operate their companies rather differently and maybe we can talk about governance uh, another time because off air we were talking very briefly about the differences in governance between here and other other jurisdictions. But look, it's been a real pleasure. Um, So thanks for being on Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly show about money, finance and investing, broadcast locally on Radio Northern Beaches and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Stephen Mab, thank you so kindly.
1: Thanks so much, Ray. really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Wonderful. Until next time.